At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, Executive Director and Founder of the Commonwealth Policy Center. The election is almost here. Absentee voting begins on October the 26th and early voting begins on November the 3rd. But are Kentucky elections safe from voter fraud? There are many claiming that it is not. Joining us to discuss election integrity is Secretary of State Michael Adams. Secretary Adams, welcome to the program. Great to be back, Richard. Thank you. Hey, um, I was checking out your website uh, the other day, and you have a tab called Rumor Control. And I at first kind of laughed because when you look at an official state website, you don't see something called Rumor Control. But since you are the state's top election officer, um, you're concerned about rumors that have spread regarding election integrity. On that uh, website tab, you say that the last year, dishonest and irresponsible allegations that Kentucky election officials were engaged in voter suppression went viral. And when I say last year, perhaps that was in 2020. That's right. So, So tell us about those allegations. Where did they originate and what is the truth? Well, misinformation, unfortunately, is a bipartisan phenomenon. There's a fringe of Democrats and a fringe of Republicans that make false allegations about our election process. And in 2020, if you remember, LeBron James, Sheryl Crow, Reese Witherspoon, and other celebrities, and Hillary Clinton, too, uh, attacked me by name, attacked our state for supposedly suppressing voters. And their timing wasn't very good because just a few days later, we had the highest turnout we'd ever had in a primary in Kentucky history. It just proved that these left-wing allegations from the coast were just full of bunk. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you deal with this in this business. You deal with uh, people trying to swing the election their way by putting out false rumors about, about the process. Um, did So the results, the proof was in the pudding, as they say. The uh, uh, primary election turnout was the highest in history. Um, there, there are still charges of voter suppression. I think of what uh, Georgia uh, with their last gubernatorial race, um, Stacey Abrams uh, lost that race, uh, claimed that voters were suppressed. By the way, she did not uh, uh, cede that uh, victory to her opponent. Um, often we hear of uh, when Republicans don't do that, but the case in Georgia showed the opposite. Um, what things have been done? We were just talking before the program about things in Kentucky that have uh, made it easier to vote. Um, updated our voting laws um, and accessibility to to vote, which I, I guess you could say that that um, is the opposite of suppression. But what are some of the things that were done in 2020 in the state legislature that um, addressed uh, updating our, our voting laws? Well, Kentucky has gone from bottom uh, 40 to top 10 in our election process. That's not according to me, that's according to the Heritage Foundation, and other organizations that objectively look at us and other states and compare us. We got a D plus on election security in 2018, D plus. Uh, We took office, we had a mandate to improve our system, we've done that. First thing we did was we passed photo ID to vote. It was absurd, I thought, 
that our neighboring states all required voters to prove their identity. And, and we didn't. Uh, we implemented that. We actually did it in the pandemic. We were the only state in America to do that. I got sued three times, but we won all of our cases and photo ID is the law of the land. But that was just the beginning. We've also taken 130 plus thousand dead voters off our rolls. We did see in 2020 vote fraud in the names of dead people. That's not just stuff on Facebook. That's real. That's stuff that was actually criminally uh, prosecuted. We didn't see that in Kentucky, though, because we got these rolls cleaned up. We've also passed a number of laws. And I'll add here, you don't have to either have access or security. You can have both. We've tightened security significantly in our process. We've also have given legal voters more options to vote, including three days of early voting. But we've expanded voting options. That's good for working people like my parents who are busy during the week but can vote on a Saturday. We've improved the security. We've put video surveillance on the ballot boxes when they're not in use. Now, when you're voting, obviously, we don't video you. But we want to have these things monitored when they're not being voted on. We've transitioned the state away from electronic voting machines to universal paper ballots. So we get the speed of the quick count, which we want. We want results on election night. We don't want a chance for hanky-panky as the election drones on after the polls are closed. But we want the security of a paper trail. And we've expanded the audit process significantly. So those are things that are good for the process. And Democrats and Republicans both like them. It was a bipartisan bill uh, passed handily in both the House and Senate. And um, it, it, at the time, I was very uh, aware of it and, and somewhat involved behind the scenes. The state Senate sponsor, Robbie Mills, was one of the former board members of CPC, mm-hmm. and we applauded him for taking the lead in uh, updating our voter laws. Um, so here we are uh, in 2022. Uh, the 2020 presidential election still kind of hovers over uh, elections, doesn't it? Uh, there was a story that came out recently, uh, really about different polls that showed 70%, these various polls showed that 70% of Republicans believed that the 2020 election was stolen. Quinnipiac, CNN, University of Massachusetts, Amherst, Washington Post, The Economist, uh, almost every one showed that it's about 70% of Republicans believe that there was uh, the voter fraud. And I know that during elections, especially presidential elections, passions run high. And when your guy doesn't win, sometimes that uh, creates an incredible amount of um, uh, uh, disappointment. Um, but I, I don't know if I've ever seen this in my lifetime. I want to steer over to a, a really helpful uh, uh, report that came out. And I'd like you to comment on it if you could. Uh, there was a report by John Danforth and a number of other uh, federal judges, Mike McConnell, uh, Michael Ludig, Thomas Griffith, uh, some others, high profile Republicans that came up with this report called Lost, Not Stolen, the conservative case that Trump lost and Biden won the 2020 presidential election. It was uh, well documented with footnotes about several of the charges that were brought up. And I found it very convincing. The reason I'd like you to speak to this is because many conservatives are listening and watching right now. And that election seems to temper how people think about other elections, including the one that we have coming up. Um, what, what are your thoughts? And I know that probably Secretary Adams, I know there's probably a big can of worms that just opened up, but that is the elephant in the room, if you will. And that seems to be hanging over this election. Well, let me tell you where I come down on this. I think there are three schools of thought, and polls show that this is true. 
there are some people that think that everything just went swimmingly in 2020 in every state. And there are other people that think every single election in every state was ribbon with mass fraud, despite any evidence for that. I think the truth is in the middle. And polling shows that a plurality of, of uh, voters, and actually most Republicans, fall in this third category where I fall, which is that we think that there were mistakes made in 2020, not in Kentucky, but in some other states. Mm -hmm. Eric Trump actually came to Kentucky a couple of weeks ago and said at a rally that Kentucky got it right, that there wasn't vote fraud in Kentucky. I'm really proud of that. But I do think there were problems in other states. I'll give you one specific example. In Pennsylvania, of course, the job of the Secretary of State, like me, is to follow the law. Uh, and if the law's not good enough, then you get the legislature to improve it. That's what I did with photo ID. In Pennsylvania, the Secretary of State went the opposite direction, sued the legislature, overturned their voter ID law. And so the votes in Pennsylvania weren't verified. Now, that doesn't mean that it was stolen. It doesn't mean there was fraud. And it doesn't mean that if there was fraud, there was enough fraud to tip the outcome. Uh, or that all the fraud was for one guy against the other guy. It doesn't prove any of that. But it makes you wonder. And it's a terrible look for our democracy. So I, I do think there are things that we've learned from other states that we need to make sure that we take away the right lessons uh, from that. But we can have a debate about voter ID and clean up the rolls and things that we've done. What we can't have a debate on is this crazy notion that the machines were hacked and votes were stolen. There's just, that's just a crazy conspiracy theory that not even Donald Trump has embraced. So I want to bring up Dominion voting systems that they were charged with being linked to the Internet and somehow being involved with the conspiracy to overturn uh, the 2020 election in favor of Joe Biden. So I'm just going to put it out there. Does Kentucky have Dominion voting machines at all? We do not. We never have. How about this? Uh, and that's good news for those who who believe that or are thinking that. Um, how about. Kentucky voting machines being connected to the internet. We've never done that and we never will. And in fact, we got a law passed to A, prohibit it, and B, make it a crime to actually try to do it. Uh, it's not possible for our machines to connect to the internet. They don't have modems. They're not allowed to have modems. There's no way to get on the internet without a modem. Uh, here's what confuses people. As a courtesy, we don't have to do this, but we're transparent. As a courtesy, we have a website on election night where we post results so people can see the races and see what's happening and see what the results are. That doesn't mean that the internet is tabulating those votes. The internet doesn't tabulate those votes. We tabulate those in the Secretary of State's office. Our voting machines in the Commonwealth of Kentucky secure, and that's one where um, we've seen in Georgia, I want to go back to a video that went viral back in 2020 that uh, appeared to show people taking ballots out of suitcases and then doing something with them. Um, after further review, there was a uh, that was an edited portion of that video, uh, and it showed that they what they were doing was legitimate, uh, as I understood that. Absolutely, and this is one of the reasons I favor in-person voting over other methods that other states use. In our state, we do have a limited exception vote by absentee ballot if you're deployed military, or uh, if you're too sick or too old to get to the polls. We respect that, but only about two percent of our voters vote that. The other 98% vote in person, which is good because we can actually supervise that process. We've got law enforcement at the polls. We've got poll workers at the polls, Democrats and Republicans, checks and balances. We monitor all parts of this to make sure that there's no vote. So this election, of course, during 2020, that was the pandemic year. Uh, there was vote by mail that was made available because of the uh, COVID protocol, trying to keep people away from one another to keep the disease from spreading. Is that available this election? You just mentioned absentee voting, which is different than uh, voting by mail. 
Right. Yeah, vote by mail is what very liberal states do, where you just basically you're on some government list. Even if you didn't register to vote, you're on some government list and they auto register you because you signed up for welfare or something. And then they mail you a ballot you didn't ask for. Mm -hmm. And so I don't live in one of those states, either do you, but I have friends who do. And they say they just walk into an apartment complex. And there's just big stacks of ballots there mm -hmm. that the post office left for all the residents of the apartment building. What a terrible way to run an election. How can you have confidence in that? We don't do that. Even for the limited class of people who mail in a ballot or drop it in a drop box instead of voting in person, they have to prove their identity before they can get a ballot. We're one of the only a couple of states that have a photo ID requirement to get an absentee ballot. Looking at uh, what your website says, it says that um, voting systems using the Commonwealth are designed to protect against tampering, including during system storage, transport, and voting. Each machine uses physical and system access controls, including lockable doors, tamper evidence seals, and access codes. It sounds like we have the Fort Knox of voting machines in place in Kentucky. Is that accurate? That's that's accurate. And again, these things are also under surveillance. They're either under surveillance by the poll workers, who again are bipartisan, checks and balances, or they're under video surveillance when they're not being voted on. So getting into these machines is just not really feasible. That's why the people that are spinning false tales of election fraud don't really make claims about that part of the process. They make up stuff about how the uh, machines are supposedly changing votes, and that's just ludicrous. Every machine in Kentucky has to has to correctly count a million votes without a mistake before we use it. Hi, this is Richard Nelson, and I'm asking you to vote yes on the Yes for Life Amendment 2. You can stop tax-funded abortion and prevent judges from inventing a right to abortion. The Yes for Life Amendment is simple. It says to protect human life, nothing in the Constitution secures a right to abortion or requires the funding of abortion. It makes sense. It's pro-life and pro-Kentucky values. So please vote yes for life on Amendment 2 on November the 8th. If you're just joining us, you're tuning into the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson here with Secretary of State Michael Adams, and we are talking about election integrity. And Secretary of State Adams, uh, this is so important because if people do not believe that their vote is being counted and that the elections are fair and accurate, they lose faith, faith in their government, don't they? And you, you and your office are charged with making sure that uh, uh, all of the elections are done with integrity and that every vote is counted. And um, uh, it, could you speak to that, just the importance of conveying to the voters that um, the elections are fair and safe? Well, you know, certainly it's my job as the chief election official to defend our process and I'm proud of our process, but also as a conservative, I get real scared when I see so-called conservatives out there spinning false tales about election fraud, because guess what? It drives down our turnout. <laughs> Democrats do this too, but they put out false rumors about vote suppression, totally baseless, but that gets their base riled up to go vote. Our side, unfortunately, embraces the notion that the votes aren't being counted right, and that drives down our turnout, not up. It's a big mistake. Conservatives, if you care about the election, and if you care about getting your person into office, then encourage others to vote. Um, don't spin out these uh, and promote these uh, conspiracy theories that the elections are stolen. And that goes for both sides of the aisle. I could say for those on the political left, uh, it doesn't help your cause if you're saying that your vote doesn't count or that votes are being suppressed. Um, and that's the one thing, by the way, I think that should unite Republicans and Democrats, those on the political right and political left, is that we have a system by which we can elect those who will represent us 
uh, and create public policies for us that benefits all of us across the political spectrum. Um, voter integrity uh, benefits all of us. Um, those who would promote conspiracy theories, those who would distort the truth and misrepresent the facts, that doesn't help your cause uh, at all, does it? Yeah, and the people that lead this are actually trying to make money off of it. You've got the pillow guy who has this national program. His goal isn't to be correct. His goal is to sell pillows. And so he's built this loyal national following, acting like he's in it for a good cause. He's just trying to sell pillows. One of the, uh, this is somewhat related to the previous question, but it goes back to the rumor control on your website, Secretary of State's website. How do you know that voting machines are accurate and not manipulated? Um, and you talk about the testing for accuracy. Um, can you can you speak to that, how they're tested, and then who's responsible um, for that? Because going back to the first question, um, you were charged, or some election officials were charged with voter suppression, whereas your uh, office really is not involved with where the votes are being cast and where they're being counted. Yeah, the county clerks decide that at the local level. I don't get to decide that stuff. But regardless, I'm going to defend our county clerks. They're not engaged in vote suppression. That's just ridiculous. Secretary of State Adams, one of the things that I've heard uh, in Kentucky and in other areas, too, is that hand counting ballots is more accurate than machines. Is that true? Not remotely. There's a reason that when you go to the bank, I mean, you do a big cash deposit, right? Your business, what have you, they run it through a counter. So having a teller kind of by hand. Humans make mistakes. That's why we have computers in society is they're more accurate. So in 1940, Kentuckians voted by uh, in a constitutional amendment. They voted at the ballot box to move away from hand counts toward machine counts because we had so much fraud and corruption in hand counting in the 1930s and before that we, we the people, changed our system to have machine counts because they're objective. In Kentucky, First, we used machines that have been certified at the national level as being accurate and not hackable. Mm -hmm. And then we put them through the paces ourselves. Every single county clerk in the state has an open public event where any voter can come, any person can come watch as those machines are tested for accuracy. It's a, it's a transparent event. We check all these machines thoroughly. The State Board of Elections checks them and then the county clerks check and make sure that they accurately register those votes. And so it's really no surprise you've seen the results in Kentucky elections mirror what the polling shows because they're counting accurately. So the notion, I've been sued about a half a dozen times this year, people saying, I want to check the tech, check these machines. Well, we already checked them and we've done a few recounts since the election. And every single time the recount has proved that we actually counted it right the first time. In fact, a judge in LaRue County recently ruled that the hand count recount was less accurate than the first machine count. It took them four tries to count the votes by hand in the recount to match the machine count because mm -hmm. there was so much honest mistake. So it's mm -hmm. not just a matter of avoiding fraud. It's also the matter of avoiding simple mistakes people make. To that point about uh, audits and um, doing recounts, there is a law, and I think it might have been part of the 2020 uh, election law update, but paper ballots are required uh, to uh, replace machines, machine-only ballots. So there's a backup, right? Mm -hmm. So if you do need to do a recount, you can actually see a hard copy of how somebody voted. Um, 
can you can you explain more? Because some people this might confuse people when we talk about the accuracy of machines, but then there's a paper ballot that's required for any new machines that a county would bring into uh, its polling places. So at my request, the legislature passed a law to set a hard deadline of January 1st, 2024, which is the last day of my first term. <laughs> we'll see how many terms there are, uh, but my first term of office, that every, every machine in Kentucky has got to be a paper-based machine that's auditable. Uh, the first election I ever voted in when I was 18, back in 1994, was a computer and you pushed a button and then you hit a vote button and you just hope that the machine got it right. There was no paper trail. Well, you can't audit a machine. You can't do a recount. You can't do anything to check it if you don't have a paper ballot backup. So one of my priorities has been to move the state completely toward paper. Uh, when I took office, only about three quarters of our counties were on paper. Now they're all on paper. I'm really proud of that. And it gives us the ability to do an audit and to do a recount and to do these basic things to make sure that the tech worked and that the count was right. Uh, in Owensboro, in uh, Western Kentucky, uh, four years ago, we had a tie for state representative, a tie. Yes. And then a recount was ordered and they couldn't do it because there weren't ballots. <laughs> you can't count if there aren't ballots. Mm -hmm. So I think in terms of transparency and accountability, shifting away from the machines toward paper-based balloting is best. But again, the paper ballots are counted by simple Scantron machines like you have in any high school to count multiple choice tests. Sure. And then we have the ability to hand count after the fact and, and check and make sure that it wasn't a mistake. It's the best of both worlds. That's good. Good job on that, by the way. I, I'm in favor of things that um, bring about election integrity and uh, things that allow us to accurately check if there needs to be a recount uh, in an election. Secretary said, Adams, you mentioned this earlier, but I want to go back to this, uh, and that is whether or not Kentucky ballots are kept secret, and then specifically mail-in ballots, the um, absentee ballots. Are they kept secret? Absolutely, and I'll walk you through that process. So if you vote by absentee ballot, uh, you go to our website, uh, sos.ky.gov, you apply, get to prove that it's you before we send you a ballot. Once we do that, then we mail it to you and you get it. You fill out the ballot. It's just like any other ballot. It's a piece of paper with little bubbles on it. You fill it out. You put it into an inner envelope. You seal that. And then you sign the back of that, which is a attachable flap. And then you put that into an outer envelope and you sign that. And then you mail that back or you put it in the drop box. Here's what we do when we get it. We verify your signature on the front envelope is yours because we've got a record of your signature from your driver's license or your voter registration card. Then we open the envelope. Then we check the second signature. We make sure that that's you. Mm -hmm. And then if it is, then we tear off that flap and we discard that. And then we've got a basically a naked ballot envelope. We don't know whose it is. It's just like one of any other. It goes into a bin. And then other ballots go in that bin for weeks. And then on election day, we open up that bin and then we open those envelopes. And the key here is they're blind. We have verified who you are, but with not looking at your ballot. Mm -hmm. So then we can run those ballots through the machine and make sure that we count them, but in a way that we don't know who casts whose. Curious, how many times do you find, and you may not know this, but uh, when a, a signature does not match, there's two signatures on an absentee ballot, how often does that happen? Uh, maybe it's, it's fewer than 10% of the time. It's usually in single digits, uh, but we made a really important reform here. It used to be that if signature didn't match, we just said, okay, we'll, we'll just throw it out. And that's problematic for two reasons. Number one is we disenfranchise legal voters whose signatures just look different today than they did when they registered to vote. I've got two grandparents still alive. They registered to vote for Dwight Eisenhower. Oh, boy. 
and they're getting up there now and their signatures look different. Well, now they actually get to have their votes counted. Uh, the other reason though, is it was soft on fraud. We had all this evidence of possible vote stealing and false signatures, and we didn't actually run those down. So now we actually do that. We implemented a cure process, we require that now, where if it doesn't match, we call the voter and say, was this you or not? Because if it is, I want to count that vote. And if it's not, I want to refer this for prosecution. Very good. One thing related to this, the absentee ballots, and it was a big issue in 2020 when there was the mail-in option for people that didn't want to go and vote in person, was vote harvesting. And uh, can you tell us what Kentucky did to address the vote harvesting? Well, we banned it. Uh, We've got very troubling cases from around the country and actually from Kentucky of what happens when you allow ballot harvesting. And I'll give you just two quick examples. There was a race for U.S. Congress in North Carolina in 2018, a major office because of ballot harvesting, which is when third parties deliver the votes versus it's being just between the voter and the, and the county clerk. Uh, it's a conflict of interest. And the problem with ballot harvesters is they get their own vote out, sometimes through duress and intimidation, but they also lose the votes of the people that they think are voting against the opponent or voting for the opponent. So it's a it's a rigged system. So they actually had to throw out the election for Congress in North Carolina four years ago because there was so much fraud from ballot harvesting. Here in Kentucky, we actually had a race for mayor in Eastern Kentucky that uh, wasn't thrown out, but ultimately the mayor and some of her volunteers were sent to federal prison for about harvesting, because what they did is the mayor used her position to threaten people in public housing. Mm -hmm. You must ask for an absentee ballot. You must fill it out under the supervision of my volunteers. Mm -hmm. Then they'll deliver it back for the campaign to the courthouse. You can see the conflict of interest. That's how she stole her election. She went to federal prison for it, so did her staff. So we've banned that now. So just to be clear what ballot harvesting is, you have an individual that takes blank, blank ballots and they will either go door to door or go to a group like maybe a nursing home or some other uh, organized group of people and they will pass the ballots out or fill in the ballots for the people. And then yeah. they will take then they will take them to the county clerk's office, wherever the uh, voting machine is. Uh, there was a case recently in California that was revealed about egregious ballot harvesting. Uh, in one of the races there. So this is no longer allowed in Kentucky. That's right. It used to be allowed. And the, the mayor that I referenced was brought up on federal charges, but it wasn't for ballot harvesting. It was for uh, misuse of her job. But it, what she did was legal in terms of ballot harvesting mm-hmm. under state law, which was unacceptable. And that was a, really, uh, a pretty recent case. So we've uh, banned that, fortunately. We took Arizona's law word for word their law was upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court last year, so we borrowed theirs word for word, and now it's in our law, too. One last question, and I forgot to bring this up earlier. The Yes for Life Amendment number mm-hmm. two is on the ballot. Do you have anything to say about that? Maybe a projection on what you see happening? I think that, well, I strongly strongly support Yes on two. I want to let voters know that it's a long ballot this year. We've got a lot of races, U.S. Senate, U.S. House, legislature, county races, judges, and then there's two constitutional amendments. So. Take a deep breath when you fill out that ballot, it's going to take you a while uh, and, and vote both sides of it. And if you vote straight ticket, it doesn't count in every race because judicials are nonpartisan and the amendment's nonpartisan. But make sure you vote yes on amendment two. It could be close. Yeah, I agree. Secretary of State Adams, thank you again for joining us. Thanks, Richard. Thanks so much.